welcome everybody to Monsters Lounge. We are all here. My name is Jenny. This is Tressa. Hello. And tonight we have a very good and dear friend of mine. His name is Jarrett. Good evening. <laughs> Can I just say that was a phenomenal intro? Some oh. of those images, I just uh -huh. the well, of course, a lot of them are Sasquatch and an alien, but the one where they were in like a fancy European looking restaurant was uh -huh. phenomenal. And oh. then the one outside of the lounge where AI spelled it Loinge, I really like that one. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but thank you. There's thank no you mistakes in there whatsoever. A lot of, yeah, I, love, I put a lot of effort and hard work into that. Thank you very much. Clearly. Mm -hmm. It was very, very, very cool. I liked it. But thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, good. Tonight, we're talking about things that are very close to me that I love. National Parks, Missing 411, and Aliens. Mm. I know. It's very exciting. Are you into aliens? I didn't think that was a thing you were into. A little or bit. Are you just but including I just kind that? Of packed it onto the end there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. An afterthought. An afterthought. Yeah. Realized my mistake and I thought, oh, great. Aliens. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never really, I've never really heard you go on at length about aliens. So maybe it's good that we can be schooled a little bit on it. Oh. You're going to be disappointed, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> too high of the expectations going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lower it. <laughs> I'm a fan of aliens. I just don't know a lot about them because I don't do the research because I'm too busy worrying about what's going on in national parks. Honestly, and it's a problem. What is going on in national parks, Jenny? Nobody knows. Everybody's got theories. What's not going on in national parks? <laughs> That's more so the question, guys. National finding parks, missing people. That's what's not yeah, happening. <laughs> no, they don't find them. National parks cover something absolutely ridiculous, like five fifty million acres in in the U.S. It's nuts. That seems like more than that's even in the U.S. That's I know. Amount of acres. I know, but that covers 434 national parks, but there's only 63 that kind of fit into this like category of when we think about these things, like Grand Canyon or Yosemite or Arches, any of those places. Real quick, what does that even mean? I like, oh, what do you mean fits into that category? Like, is it just like, oh, that uh, playground is Nash also a national park? Like, I don't. Well, the national park system, when it was kind of set up, it covers like national historic sites. It covers national monuments, so it covers a lot of things that aren't what we think of as as an actual like park, where okay. the areas are very very small. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. The sixty three are like those are the ones that are like congressionally protected, right? Like, yeah, they're the mm -hmm. ones that are deemed by the government. Like hands off, nobody can do anything with them. Like yeah, the which which started with uh, with Teddy Roosevelt, who wanted mm. to protect yeah Papa Ruse. Papa Ruse, who wanted to protect these national like treasures as he thought of about them. These huge, huge pieces of wilderness, and they're absolutely stunning. I've only been to a few, and I realized as I was doing some of the research for this episode and also some of the stories that I have neglected to tell Tressa because I keep trying to get her to go to national parks with me. And I don't know what effect this conversation is going to have. Listen, you already know I'm all in on that one single camping trip or whatever it is. <laughs> so lay it on me. I want to hear about the weird stuff. All right. Where well, wait, are you? Are you an are you an indoors kid? I am very much an indoors <laughs> kid. 
And nature is gross. That's where dirt lives. No, thank you. See, I'm afraid of uh, the ocean. Like Ooh, I have a yeah. like I have a big fear of the ocean because and, it's vast and no one yeah. knows in there. It's just nothing but demons that live inside there that will kill you and eat your soul. Yeah, I think it's I, called uh, thalassophobia, which I just <laughs> looked that up like in the past couple of years because I was finally able to like verbalize my fear of it. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it's like the vastness of it. It's the same thing with space. Like I'm freaked out by space just because like. I don't know, something where you can't really find like a horizon line or you can't really get your bearings really freaks me out. And then you have, like you said, like demonic things that live in the. Okay. All right. Hang on now. <laughs> We're not, there's no demonic things that are living. Maybe sure there aliens. Maybe sure. aliens. The, the verdict is still out on the octopus. Okay. That mm-hmm. maybe some alien life forms going on. Aliens but, come I on now. Say, I will not what? sit here and let you people besmirch the ocean because it's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's also, you know, it's the fear of getting lost for me. Like if you're deep in the ocean, you don't know what's what, what's up, what's down, nothing. Same with space. You're lost. You're lost forever. You're dead. No, thank you. Uh-uh, I'm out. Same with <laughs> forests. Forests are never ending. You get stuck in the middle of one, you're dead. You're lost. No what no getting out, you're dead. Nope. Yeah. I've this seen is, those videos yeah, from when true. they go when they go to like the Marianas Trench. Those are like demonic fish. You can't tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. Nobody's um, dragging anybody they, into the Mariana Trench, is is live, all I'm saying. You can go they, swimming in the ocean and not deal with devil fish. What lives in no light? There's no light down there. Thank you. Only demons. Demons do. <laughs> Right. This is gonna this is gonna go super super well then. <laughs> but you're right, forests very similar. Never very ending similar. space. Right. A lot of and what lives in what lives in forests? Bears. They're they'll eat you. They don't care. They just want food. Uh, hey, you know what else lives in forests? Sasquatch. And we do yeah. want to see that guy. Yeah, Allegedly. But we don't know. Yeah. Allegedly. Ah, uh, all right. <laughs> no, he's fine. It's fine. Whatever. But still, he's not going to protect us from a bear that's going to eat us or a mountain lion or whatever thing that's going to eat us that's Listen. probably there and waiting for us. Yes. Listen, I don't want to talk about the bears and I don't want to talk about the mountain lions. I want to talk about all the other things that can make you disappear in national parks. All right. So back <laughs> to it. Roosevelt set up the national park system, the National Park Service. He was actually had uh, a couple, I think, experiences with Bigfoot. Uh, one where yeah, one of did. his hunting, yeah, a member of his hunting party was killed. And then I think another one where they just wait, destroyed wait. the camp. But, but, uh, let's not gloss over that. Who was his whatever guy? Who? How was he killed? Uh, not in a very pleasant way. He by was, Bigfoot? Because yeah, you made by, it sound like by, Bigfoot did it. Yeah, by by a Sasquatch or by a Bigfoot creature was was the report, and it was written down. Yeah, it was. So what you're he telling was a hunter, us? He was threatening. Uh huh. You know. So it was in a book, right? Us. It was in yeah. one of his biographies. I think he mm-hmm. called it like uh, the woods ape. He came yeah. up as a woods ape, and it I killed somebody that. from his hunting party, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a guy who wandered away from everybody else, or or they had left the camp and were coming back to it and found him. Okay, Not alive a- anymore. <laughs> This is a great quote. He said that the creature was regarded as a half-human, half-devil, half-goblin beast. (laughs) That sounds way more fun. Of course it does. Anytime you get a goblin involved, that's super fun. 
how many halves was that exactly? Three, yeah. Okay. Three halves. I don't, it I was don't very large. Three halves. Yes, okay. you can. All right. Yes, I'm you can. Sorry. You totally right. can. I knew that there were accounts by Roosevelt. I didn't know the details, so I had to get them. Thank you. Continue. Thank you. <laughs> so in a lot of the national parks, especially like up in uh, Olympic National Park in Washington and Oregon, there are reports of Sasquatch. There's also reports of Bigfoot-like creatures in other national parks kind of spread throughout uh, the West area. A lot of national parks are in in the Western side of the States. And, and they're just, they're stunning. And if you've never been to one, go, because they are just absolutely gorgeous. But they're weird. A lot of times, a lot of the national parks have a lot of mineral deposits or have a huge amount of cave systems. It's it's a rock that's formed that's fairly porous, so it gets eroded, and then there's space for caves. Right, um, water. Right, water. Water makes caves. We get it. Water makes caves. We understand. Anyway, the whole point being is that a lot of the paranormal activity is sort of chalked up to like these big electromagnetic fields that mm-hmm. are are sprinkled throughout a lot of the national parks. Grand Canyon has a huge one. The FAA was actually created partially due to a plane accident that happened in the Grand Canyon where two planes just ran right into each other. A whole lot of people died, and then a whole lot of survivors died because they couldn't be rescued. They were in a gorge. Oh, God, what year was that? Oh, God, that was like 1950s. Okay. I want to say, yeah. Which makes sense. That tracks. Or I could just be making it up. We're not really sure. Hey, you'll never know. You're mm-hmm. not going to look it up. Mm-hmm. Those areas that you mentioned, so like national parks, but also the cave systems and like you're talking more in like the western side of the U.S. But like mm-hmm. if you look at stuff like cave systems on the eastern side, like especially underneath like Kentucky, when you get into like the hundreds of miles long cave systems, those yeah. are all like quartz systems. So like Quartz is like the main bedrock that's in all of those caves down there. And quartz can like really wreak havoc on electromagnetic spectrums. Mm -hmm. And if you were to look up like the USGS map of like the United States, like the highest levels of electromagneticism, it's always in cave systems. um, Mm. So like, again, like in that cave system in Kentucky, but then also over once you get into like the Rocky Mountain range and electromagneticism obviously can cause any number of things that I guess could be considered borderline paranormal. I mean, They're obviously, paranormal, not borderline, yeah. borderline yes. nothing. I was just saying un- unexplained things. There unexplained uh, things. There we go. Yeah. Electromagnetism. Yeah. Uh, is that like uh, the Eastern side? Is that mostly Appalachia yes. territory? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where, um, and it's mentioned in the comments too, but Hellier, the, the series Hellier was based yeah. around, some of the cave systems out in the Appalachia area. And then yeah. their follow-up movie too. The Unbinding. The Unbinding, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Eastern Kentucky has like huge, huge amounts of activity all up and down the eastern side of the state. So mm-hmm. Eastern Kentucky up through the West Virginia area. I mean, obviously like Mothman and all kinds of stuff happen along that same area. But the common denominator is like quartz cave systems, Mm -hmm. which is always interesting when that pops up. And there are huge quartz deposits in the Grand Canyon, which some people theorize that they see a lot of ghosts. There's this one specific area that the plane crash happened, and there's a lot of ghosts, and they credit it a lot with 
with the quartz deposits there. But a lot of other weird stuff has happened in the Grand Canyon, supposedly. Um, there was a there was a guy, G.E. Kincaid, around 1909. He discovered a bunch of man-made tunnels that mm-hmm. supposedly had all of these artifacts from like overseas, from Asia, from Egypt. There were mummies. Mm-hmm. There was writing that mirrored hieroglyphics. A lot of strange stuff. So he ended up contacting the Smithsonian Museum and they oh, sent no. somebody out. Oh, no. To, oh, cool. Where's all that stuff then? Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what happened is they sent somebody out from the Smithsonian, carried back a ton mm-hmm. of... So they cataloged uh, it and everyone can go see it whenever exactly. they want, right? Exactly. Yeah. They definitely don't deny it. They definitely have detailed records of the actual artifacts. Cool. So we can uh, go see it whenever yeah, we, we want. Yeah, we can totally go see it. No, definitely don't deny it. They deny everything. Oh. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that sucks. Yeah. It just reminded me, like, there's all this stuff in Mexico Possibly South America, I don't know. That looks very similar to hieroglyphics and lots of Egyptian imagery. It's not Mayan imagery. It is very specifically Egyptian imagery in Mexico and I believe South America. I could be wrong. So I'm wondering, like, how is all of this getting to these places? You know, there was some I'm some sure I'm theory. the only one who said that. Yeah, no, there was some theory about Egyptians having reached the Americans or the Americas. There was an experiment done where they built um, an ancient Egyptian ship, like along the specifications of what what we've gleaned. Those were made, how they were made, and sailed it pretty far into the ocean. So there are those theories out there that they were able to get over here somehow. I don't remember if they all died or not, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) I mean, I don't doubt that they had the capabilities (laughs) to do so. I just, why would they? (laughs) I don't I mean, why would anybody? I mean, for the sake of exploration, for the sake of expanding territory, that was Mm -hmm. most of what led exploration was conquest. Anyway, anyway, uh, going back to all this junk. So, so going back to the Grand Canyon, it wasn't the only incident with some really strange, strange things being found. There are forbidden zones in the Grand Canyon still. There's a there's like over 300 caves. Right. Actually, over a thousand caves, and only like 300 of them have been have been investigated whatsoever. And that's in between these mines and natural caves and these ancient man-made cave systems. So another guy later on in 1950 found a cave. He came back with these reports. He went off exploring. He came back with these reports that he was shown a cave that was sort of hidden. And it led to a room with multiple doors marked with strange languages. And when you would go through these doors, you would go into alternate realities. Heck yes. I know. I know. So this is all the supposition around the Grand Canyon. Do we have details on these alternate realities? Because that's a big bomb to drop and just walk away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I saw some stuff that doesn't exist. It's fine. And then another one. It's fine. The one that that he specifically talked about was it was a very futuristic city. 
Ooh. And you saw th sorts of things like high, high towers, like skyscrapers, uh, flying mm -hmm. cars, uh, people communicating with him without moving their mouths. Um, oh, yeah. nice. So again, he left the place and then couldn't ever find it again. Because oh, that's how it goes, right? Yes. Now, a I'm big... sweatshirt like that. Uh-huh. Uh, mm -hmm. So another one of the really large, weird spaces is Yosemite. And this mm -hmm. is where a huge amount of the missing 411 cases come in. And Yosemite has had reports of all like time slips, pterodactyls, Bigfoot, hauntings. It has it has a lot of paranormal bang for your buck. It's got everything, you guys. <laughs> we got Bigfoot. We got aliens. We got missing people. Let's go. Yeah. When I say and kind of segue into this missing 411, because it's really weird, I'm going to throw that one over to Jarrett because give me a little background sure. on how that started. Missing 411 started a few years ago, but mainly spearheaded by one guy, David Politis, who is an author of these Missing 411 series of books. And then now there's also a couple of different documentaries that you can find, and then any number of videos on this guy's YouTube channel. But he was originally a cop, and then he was, I, I want to say he left the force because he was like, he was doing something weird, like using police letterhead to to fudge celebrity autographs, something really weird <laughs> like that. So he got thrown uh, off the police force. And then he started writing about Bigfoot for a little while. And then that kind of led him to spending a lot of time in national parks. And I think at one of the national parks, he was talking to uh, one of the rangers who had mentioned to him the amount of missing persons that were happening at national parks, which kind of led him into wanting to do research about the amount of people that were going missing kind of in unnatural ways, which led him to kind of open up these cold cases of people who were disappearing in the different national parks. And over time, he kind of found all these different cases had some kind of similarities to them. I guess there's like a number of things and I can go through the list. There's about like 12 or 13 things that kind of tie all of these missing persons cases together for it to qualify technically as a missing 411 case. But as Jenny said, a lot of them are happening at these national parks. They're not only happening at national parks, but like a good chunk of them happen at the national parks. Now, um, I do have to have, I do have to say, I do have the list right here. So let me just read that off. Okay. I assumed they were all at national parks. Where else would they be happening? There's a lot of wooded and forested areas that are not technically national parks okay. that, that he does include, especially if they come in these clusters, which I didn't know if it's like, oh, the Walmart down the street, that guy. Was <laughs> no. It's okay. definitely remote regions. Okay. Um, okay. So, so the list of the criteria, most of the disappearances happen in mid to late afternoon. There's large boulder fields or granite fields in the area. It's typically near water. The survivors or the remains are usually found inexplicably far off. They're found in unusual, unusual places. The canines can't pick up a scent trail or they lose the scent very quickly. Weather incidents while disappearances are happening or during the search efforts. Uh, usually the missing have some sort of disability or illness. And this can be as minor as like a twisted knee. Yeah. Remains or the individuals are found in areas that have already been searched, mm -hmm. which is really weird because some of them are, are searched quite a bit and then they just happen to find find the remains there. In um, a very obvious place. In a very yeah. obvious place. Yeah. Yeah. They all have their clothes or shoes removed. Unknown causes of death 
and there's usually clusters of three to 70 or 80 people. Wait, so like they'll be, they'll be like a three disappearances all the way up to like, there'll be like 50 disappearances and that's over decades. So it's not all at once. It's not the immediate scenario that's happening. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that, that was a scary and weird fact. So I needed to <laughs> back up. Yeah. They're not all disappearing all at the same time. Okay. It's he's gone back really far. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really like about this guy is that he doesn't, especially when he first started putting these things together, he didn't really offer any sort of theory. He just pointed out facts of the case and not actually said, oh, I really think it's this or I really think it's this. Right. Mm-hmm. And he did try to look at cases that are still unsolved. I know. And when you watch the movies or you read the books, I mean, some of them, some of the cases that are pointed out, you kind of go, all right, now it's pretty obvious that somebody killed him or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. murdered by wife or what have you. So in a lot of these cases, I was just saying, Jarrett, that some of them you hear about and you go, yeah, no, I think it was like the creepy guy that you guys invited along on the hike. Like, I, I feel like that might be it. Or, but yeah, that kind of sounds yeah. suspicious. Yeah, yeah. So, a lot of them do get debunked after the fact. Like, he's not... Mm-hmm always hitting successfully when he brings up these cases. And I think that's sometimes why he gets picked apart by skeptic results and things like that. There there are a huge chunk of them, though, that really are unexplained. And Jenny made the list pretty good. I don't know if you said memory loss, too. That was another big part of... No, I didn't. Um, a lot of the people who do get found, memory loss was one of them. I remember reading one case about a kid who went missing for a couple of days. They found him, like, inexplicable amount of distance away from where he was something like yeah it was like 12 to 19 miles i think yeah it was a young kid too it was like he was like i don't know two years old this is a huge part of it yeah so so the kid that you're talking about is that the two-year-old that ended up like 12 miles from where he was lost because i'm pretty sure that that is the one that that he's talking about but and it was in the course of time he would have had to run the entire distance (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was like days later had to be like an ultra marathoner no it was like two days later he was found just very inexplicable cases and and sometimes some of these guys are hunters they've been in the woods forever for their entire lives and they get separated from their group or they go off and they're for some reason alone and they'll disappear uh, okay so there will be Well, there have been cases where like some, especially with these hunters disappearing, you know, their campsites will be found totally fine. One of them was found with, he brought hunting dogs with him. The Mm -hmm. hunting dogs were like in the camper with the door locked. Why is he locking the door? And his belongings were found separate and far away from the camp. And, And there were no remains ever recovered. Like he had guns, he was an avid hunter, he was aware of survival in in the forest and just gone. And and there are so many cases like this. I I feel like there was a recent one, like maybe a couple years ago, that was a kid that just like disappeared like that in a front yard in like front yard of a, a house that's like in the middle of nowhere so it's not like yeah. just like a cul-de-sac or something yeah and then they found him like a couple mm-hmm. days later just like a few feet away and like 
obviously they had looked a few feet away multiple times and the dog was there like protecting this child. I don't understand what's going on, Jenny. Explain what's going on, please. Well, nobody really knows. That's why they're Why not? No, that's why you're here. No one knows. They're all over the place. They are Um, all over the place. You know what else is all over the place? What? Jarrett? (laughs) <laughs> yes, our but guests also, tonight. Yeah. But also these ads. Let's go to an ah! ad real quick. Oh, we're back. Jenny, that was a great <laughs> ad, right? That was such a great ad. And this uh-huh. is such a good place to talk about the last dude that I'm going to talk about. Please, because then you're going to tell me about me. alien stuff. Maybe if you're lucky. Okay. So we're going to talk about Carl Higdon. Ooh. Carl is one of those guys who was actually found. So he went missing uh-huh. and then came back and was found. But does he remember anything? And does he, he have a detailed account? Oh, yeah, boy, he does. I'm excited. He remembers so many things. And a what lot of happened? the stuff I'm going to read off oh. because I don't want to, I know, because I don't want to miss anything about it. So Carl went out to hunt in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in Yosemite, he's actually in Wyoming. So in that area, one of the big game is elk. Um, and so hunters go out and they hunt elk. And he was out there. He saw a couple of elk and he was like, I'm into it. I got this one. I'm going to get him. Is this a direct quote? <laughs> this is a direct quote. He said, ah, that one's mine. <laughs> Me, he yeah. got all set to go and get and shoot his elk and go home with it, presumably, and do whatever uh people do with dead animals <laughs> eat them. I'm assuming, uh, yeah. I don't know. I've never seen an elk, I have no idea. It's they, they seem very large. I don't know. I, f- I feel like they blink blankets and then things out Jackets. of their antlers, maybe. Oh, Little decorations, decorations, yeah, coat racks, Deep brushes. I think he was, I think he was making toothbrushes that day. Oh, okay, cool. Uh-huh. So he lowered his gun and he fired at these elk. Now, the bullet he noticed stopped. It ran into no! something that he couldn't see and fell to the ground. Get he, out. Nope. He went over. He looked at it. He picked it up. Uh-huh. Stuck it like in his pocket or something because dude still had the bullet after the fact. And it oh. looked like I, it had discharged and hit something. Hello. Yeah, I know. That's so. Great. I know. Not for him, but great. Yeah. So then he sees he sees a sort of uh, strange humanoid creature sure. who who comes up and introduces himself. Uh, I believe it was sort of a telepathically. Yep. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. Yeah. His name was also one. Yeah. Okay. Right. And he was this guy in this black sort of outfit. Mm-hmm. And he came up and <laughs> he was, you know, certainly after missing the opportunity of the elk, he was like, hey, buddy, what's going on <laughs> here? I'm hunting and you're preventing me from hunting. And the guy was like, well, we're hunting too. We're getting our food. Uh, yeah. I don't care for that Mm -mm. what does that mean exactly that means he was going after the elk because uh wait the alien or whatever Mm -hmm. it was yeah he explained yeah he explained that they do a lot of hunting 
And I told Carl that they got their elk from there and that they get their fish from someplace else. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, it was a, okay. it was a hunting well, hunting trip. Well, well uh, mm-hmm. I need you to just uh, hold up real quick. I got yeah. some a uh, few questions. Yes. Um, so uh, let's let's just call them aliens because I don't know what else to call them. Yeah. Uh, uh, they don't have any other source of food. Like you don't have a replicator. You don't. Well, what are you doing hunting animals on Earth for food? You guys are from lord knows where and you're hunting elk and eating fish that makes no sense to me i'm of not saying he's lying but what yeah. no it doesn't make any sense especially because when you think about a lot of like alien encounters they're not out hunting they're just not listen when i'm thinking about alien encounters they don't even have esophaguses they just have slits for mouths and little pockets they don't have they don't eat listen okay all right first of all they've got to uh-huh. eat They've got to okay. eat. I mean, they, so I'm sure they, they have a crop against the air through their pores. I don't know. You're, You're asking wrong. me. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking me some questions here that I don't know the answer to. And I don't this think Carl knows. <laughs> I don't think Carl knows the answer to. Uh, but he does know that he was taken on the ship. Uh-huh. These memories were later on revealed when he went through deep hypnotism with a psychotherapist. Uh-huh. And so he is, describes floating above the earth and being able to see things through through sort of a giant window actually on the craft. And, nice. mm-hmm. and they decided after taking him, they took him over to get into whatever room they do these sorts of things and they took him to get examined uh his new alien buddy said you know what we don't really particularly want you and they (laughs) threw him out of the ship they just they just dropped him off and when he was picked up he was mumbling about all of these things and he had the bullet okay Mm -hmm. i um okay yeah they just threw him out oh Okay, but what exactly does they just threw him out mean? They placed him gently in a completely different area. They literally no. like shot him out of his the out of a cannon. Yeah. Out of a <laughs> turned into a circus. Dematerialized and materialized him <laughs> somewhere else. What exactly? They dropped him from the ship from Wait, from dropped, a little like, bit a little bit of height. Yes, literally dropped okay. him right. uh from a non-harmful height apparently very close to where he where he had his campsite three feet or so i'm thinking probably more like 10 <laughs> but you know i don't know i don't know either i don't know what yeah. sounds like a twisted ankle to me i don't know nah, who knows maybe they told them to tuck and roll as they were throwing him out <laughs> i mean tuck that's what roll. i do uh-huh. <laughs> good yes. luck buddy we don't need you <laughs> Unlock, open the door, tuck and roll. Yeah. I can't that every day, be, man. Yes. Listen, listen, I'm not an alien expert, no. and I'm certainly not a UFO mm-hmm. expert. But I make a lot of errands, and if someone's with me and they need to go somewhere, tuck and roll. I got to go. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, you make errands. 
Yes, I make them and then I perform them and then I go and do them. Yeah. Shut up. I mean, I've I've been in your car when you've told me to get out and it really is just sort of tuck and roll. I've hurt myself, by the way. Listen, I told you to tuck and roll. It's not my problem. I've torn pants. I just feel like the That's... highway is not the most optimal place to. I feel like you're not tucking and get out of the right. car. I think uh-huh. that you need to listen better. That's all I'm saying. So with the absence of Jarrett due to technical difficulties, I don't have a oh. lot more details on on the missing 411 cases other than they're very strange. Who, that last guy, who was he reporting to? Everybody who would listen. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, Carl talked to a lot of media. Uh-huh. Um, his wife was a thousand percent behind him. She was like, yep, this happened. He wasn't like, oh, my God, I don't want anyone to know. They're never going to believe me. He's like, you guys no. shut up. Listen to this. You're yeah. never going to believe because it is mm-hmm. wild. Yeah. And then no one had any further questions. <laughs> they were like, that's great. I don't well, have anything to add to that. Yeah, they did have further questions, which oh. is probably why he went through the hypnosis, oh. you know, and tried to recover a little bit more of his memory. But yeah, that was it. He, yeah, he was not shy about talking about it at I all. Carl sus. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I, In the I videos don't... of his interviews, he's just a very sweet elderly man. So you kind of, you kind of just want to buy it just because. <laughs> and I haven't seen these videos, but I really want to now. Because mm-hmm. I love an elderly man who's like, let me tell you the wildest mm-hmm. story. Because I'll be like, please tell me. I will believe anything you say. Yeah. Thank you. Now, these these missing 411 documentaries are about an hour and a half long each. And there's three of them. And the last one is Missing 411, The Hunted. And that one deals very specifically with the hunters who go missing. Okay. Who are elderly. Maybe okay. not elderly, but late, late but ages. Now. And all of their friends are just delightful to listen to. Yes, they really are. These interviews with these with these old gents talking about Harry or whatever Bernard. Yeah, (laughs) and now they would never go missing in the woods, and and the cases are disturbing. And I'll tell you what, like one of the major paranormal experiences that I've ever had was in the middle of Arches National Park, and oh, is terrifying to be out there by yourself with such an expansive wilderness. But also exciting and amazing. So, what happened at the arches? Well, listen. Are you not ever going to tell me that because you want me to go to the arches at some point so you can yes put me in a garbage bag and leave me there? Wow, that seems extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we I didn't say anything to murder. because we always do when we talk no. about the national parks. No, I always end up talking about cryptids. I don't know where you were going mm-hmm. with this murder thing, but mm-hmm. now I'm a little bit concerned. Anyway, so went to Arches. Uh, we hiked around a lot. And because Arches National Park is only about three hours away from Skinwalker Ranch, and uh. it's very, uh, you know, it's it's right by Navajo territories. Of course, I'm asking everybody that I can run into, park rangers, people of Navajo descent in Moab, you know, have you have you ever encountered a skinwalker? You know, what are the what are the rules? What are the regulations on those things? You know, what kind of stories and personal experiences have you had? And the part of the skinwalker lore is that you don't talk about them a lot because they right. will come find you. Yes. It's like you're summoning them. Yeah. So fast forward to 
I'd say about midnight. <laughs> Walker, Skinwalker. That's Jenny when she goes yeah. camping. <laughs> so fast forward to about midnight and I'm out in arches and looking at the stars because a lot of national parks don't close. They're open pretty much 24-7, and so you can go out and you can stargaze in nice. these beautiful expanses of land. And, you know, I, I do some meditating sometimes. I like to spend some time alone in nature. So, like, I got a great idea. I'm going to walk a little bit away from my group. I'm just going to have a little <laughs> seat over here. I'm going to stare at some stars. I'm going to center myself a little bit, uh-huh. make some spiritual contact. And, yeah. and I got... I don't even know because I'm a terrible judge of distance, but I got out of immediate sight of my group. I mean, it was, it was a little bit of a hike and all of a sudden everything, every single hair on my body just stood up and I got a horrible, I'm being watched feeling and a large shadow just sort of skittered Uh across the path in front of me. And I went, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And I hightailed it back to my group, and then I did not do that again. <laughs> so that was my experience. But I think that that's a really good reaction to that experience. <laughs> I, I would so. continue going back to my car and leave forever, <laughs> but I think that at least leaving that area was a very good idea for you. Right, which is why, you know, I haven't tried to talk you into going into Arches. We're just going to go into Olympic and mm-hmm. and go see the rainforest. That's what we're going to do. Get lost. And... That's Bigfoot territory. Yay. So anyway, I'm leaving off my missing 411 <laughs> with the idea that yeah, maybe sometimes the UFOs come on down, invite them to get on board, and they go off into the skies. Sometimes get shot out of a cannon and sometimes not. (laughs) Thank you, Carl. I'll take it from here. (laughs) That was not even the tip of the iceberg of missing 411. And I enjoyed it very much. Mm -hmm. Right, everybody? Okay, great. Anyway, uh, (laughs) let's talk about Pascagoula for a second. As we are all familiar, since it happened in 1973, it's been 50 (laughs) years. I don't know why anyone else would know that, but... Um, yeah, it's been 50 years. And like, apparently, not too long ago, new abductees from that very night have just come out. What? What's that about? Oh, what is the Pascagoula incident to begin yes, with? Please. You're probably asking. I am asking. Uh, I'm glad you asked. Here it is. Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker were abducted and they were conscious and awake for the whole thing. And They were, let's say, experimented on. They had blood drawn. They had other substances put in their blood's place. Uh, It was just a very nightmarish, traumatic experience for them. And then they were just dropped off at the side of this river. They were both like, wow, that was weird, right? That doesn't seem normal. And I believe it was. (laughs) Now, were they dropped off or were they shot out? (laughs) Through a cannon. Uh, I believe it was, they just kind of appeared next to the river. From what I heard from eyewitnesses that came out much, much later. So Calvin's like, we are never talking about this. This never happened ever. And Charles is like, cool. And then like sitcom sideswipe. (laughs) We're at the police office and we're going to tell you about what happened. 
And they got separated and interviewed separately, and their interviews were recorded. Their stories matched up. Their stories never changed in 50-some-odd years. It was just, this is what happened. And Charles was like, this is what happened. It was crazy. Let me tell you all about it. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to go on all the shows. And Calvin was like, (laughs) I don't. And he eventually wrote a book a few years ago because his wife is like, you have trauma you need to work through. Write a book. And he was like, yes, ma'am, I will do that. (laughs) And he wrote a book all about it. And he finally started talking about it. Like his kids knew, do not ask about it. Do not talk about it. He will lose his mind. It's trauma from what he had told everyone in his book. Like he did not want to talk about it ever. When he went under hypnosis, Calvin, the first time he went went into hypnosis, there was just so much trauma he was going through. He had this blood curdling scream where they just had to shut it down and like change the parameters of hypnosis so he wouldn't be in like so much emotional pain talking about it. Wiles. Years later, when they came back, they noticed that there were people across the river that could see them and they just like kind of brushed it off. Years later, those people across the river were like, oh, yeah, we well, the wife, Maria Blair, was like, yeah, I saw him appear. I actually saw him leave. (gasps) And then I saw him reappear. She didn't say how much later, but she saw him reappear. She saw the UFO and her husband was like, it's just a blimp. She saw something fall into the water and she looked down and she knew it wasn't right. And she knew it was reaching out to her. And her husband was like, it's just a porpoise. They both were abducted as well. Her husband was tight lips the entire time until he was on his deathbed. Before that, she was like, I am terrified. I don't know what's going on in this situation. And I'm terrified. She would like, I know I saw something that wasn't right. I know I saw a being that was not a human. I'm terrified and I don't know how to talk about this. I I don't have the words for this. And her husband, what's her husband? Jerry. Her husband, Jerry, on his deathbed, she was like, Jerry, you need to tell me what happened because what happened? And he's like, okay, he's on a ventilator. He's got a trach. And she basically had to like read his lips and then confirm what she thought he was saying to him because he couldn't talk deathbed confession he was like all right here's the deal oh my god yeah uh yeah it was a ufo uh it was a spaceship whatever and they put you under because they needed your eggs so they needed to do all this medical stuff on you they didn't put me under but i watched everything happen i would yell at them when i thought they were hurting you a whole thing a whole story this dude hung on to it for how long like i don't know at least 40 years i don't know when he died i'm so pissed at that dude thank you and even in the interview from not too long ago she was like i know there's still stuff i don't know that he would not tell me because he was trying to protect me but i don't know what it is that protect her from liking him And she was like, yeah, and I I still see these aliens every once in a while. And the interview was like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, like they they talk to me telepathically. I tell them I want to see them and then they show themselves. She's convinced that she's got some hybrid baby somewhere. 
Wild. What wild? Listen. Yeah, none of this makes any. All right. So, so the original two guys, mm-hmm. um, Charles and Calvin. Charles and Calvin mm-hmm. were abducted, and and there's no idea of like how long they were gone. I mean, were people reporting them missing or. Oh, here's the thing. I don't think they were gone that long. I'm not even going to speculate because I didn't even look into how long they were gone. But it wasn't like days or anything. It was just like that night they were abducted. And then later Mm -hmm. that night they came back. But there were so many people that were like, "Uh, that never happened. Nobody saw anything like whatever. But the sheriff's department, they got at the very least 50 calls about UFOs that night. And when the sheriff came in to the department... There were people there to report it, including a priest who was on his way out after leaving an AA meeting with people in his car who saw it. It, There were multiple witnesses that saw UFOs all over this town that night. And then when when Barbara and her husband were abducted, was it that same was it that same night that they yes. were or later on? Okay. Yeah, I think that they Maria is her name. Maria. Maria I don't know why um, it's not Barbara. I don't know either. <laughs> Seems That's like weird. a good name. <laughs> she I think the way she said it, it sounded like she watched them leave. She watched them come back because they were at a dock on the river like working yeah and after that happened i think is when all the stuff happened to them now is there a report on how long they were gone no because they didn't report it they didn't say anything about it he was not going to say anything about it Mm -hmm. ever and the only reason he did is because his wife was like listen dude i got some stuff in my head and i didn't need to know if i'm crazy or not he's like oh you're not crazy But the situation is, and I'm not going to tell you all of it because it sucked for everyone involved. Now, one of the things um, that you sent me earlier was this more recent sort of news story that came out and it had some clips of like audio and video Mm -hmm. of the the two guys in their interviews. And one of the interesting things to me was in the sheriff's office when they were reporting these incidents and they were finally put back in a room together. There was a there was a tape recorder going yeah. in a desk drawer that they were unaware of. And the officers were like, oh, we're going to catch them this time. Like, they're going to be, you know, we're going to leave them alone in a room together. And they're going to be talking about like this great joke, this great gag that they pulled. And when they went back to listen to it, it was just them talking about the experience in a, we're not going to talk about this. This is what, this is what happened. Like in a very Mm -hmm. matter of fact way. Yes. And there's actually a released 45 record album of, I don't remember if it was Charles or Calvin talking about his experience. I think it might have been Calvin. I don't think that was part of that recording, not to sidetrack you, but it sounds like he's reading he had to write down everything that happened because he didn't want to forget because of whatever. Like, and it like sounds a 45, like, like an audio book. Yeah. Or, okay. No, no, like, no, like, Hey, I have the hot new single. I'm going to go put it on my <laughs> record player. And it's this guy talking about how he bashed this alien's head in because he was angry. They were doing experiments on him. It's wild. Wait, he killed one of them? And that's no. what she saw falling in the water? <laughs> no. You're I'm confusing so confused. things. 
No, he he talks about on this 45, he talks about how he could hear blood dripping out of his body and he <sighs> felt like they were replacing the blood with something. And they told him to get dressed and he was getting dressed and just he wasn't scared anymore. He was just angry. And as he was getting dressed, he was getting angrier. And this female alien that he won't say is female, but he calls a female comes back in and she was the one doing all the medical stuff. He was so angry that he just like grabbed her and like shoved her and like hit her up against a wall. And then what he called the ugly guy came, took him and made him stop doing that and did what sounds like a hyper spray because he was like, and then he put something in my arm and it sounded like, Psh! and then I got really uh, relaxed and I don't remember anything after that. That's what the 45 basically is. It was a wild. So, can we get one of these 45s? Oh my or, god, I want one so bad. I mean, can we hear the the him have they released I, that part where we're hearing him talk about this assault on this female alien and then apparently given the best alien drug ever? <laughs> right? I <laughs> yes, he describes the assault in detail and I was like, "Oh, you assaulted a woman. It was my first initial what, reaction. What did they look like? I mean, apparently, according to Barbara, they <laughs> looked like porpoises or dolphins, but with elephant skin. With elephant elephant skin. Yeah, they she and they both talk about how they have elephant skin, or it could be a suit that looks like elephant skin. Okay, so they're gray. Did they talk about did they describe the rest of them? Um, because I'm thinking about elephant skin and it's really wrinkly. <laughs> you do have a lot. There's some little, <laughs> I do, I like elephants. It's wrinkly. It's, it's, uh, you know, there's little short bristly hairs. Um, <laughs> very <yeah>. tough. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know how familiar they are with elephant skin, but okay. it was just gray and wrinkly, I think. Okay. Uh, but there were also different species question mark of aliens that they interacted with so the female that did all the medical stuff he made it sound like she was a lot more just like like a human but basic no breasts one longer oh, okay. middle finger i think but so like kind not... of a generic what you think yeah. about when you think about what an alien looks like right but not human but not weird and crazy like elephant skin the elephant skin guy had he was like a bipedal elephant but not he had elephant legs and elephant skin and pincers instead of hands and i'm still confused about the head was supposed to look like because i it's weird now, not really a neck but yeah. now did they have uh any kind of mention of the esophagus <laughs> Of the alien, because according to Unfortunately, you, Unfortunately, no. Earlier, no, no. Yes, that's great. Aliens, that's a textbook. Yes, I don't no, know. Stuff, this, I guess. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's pretty much really new information about this. Is Maria's input? She seems sincere. Her kids know about it and know what they can and cannot ask. Mm -hmm. Her husband has passed, so I'm sure it's a free-for-all over there. It's fine. She doesn't care. She just wants to know exactly what happened, and she'll never know because her husband's like, nah. Well, he's not doing that anymore. He's just now not telling her. That's terrible. 
Yeah. You know, the th- one of the things that I love about some of like the alien encounters or the abduction stories is the absolute conviction with which people tell them. And it's not people who have spent like a lifetime sort of spouting off these stories. There's so many people who have like one incident and that's it. Because you know? it's the most insane incident. They're never going to forget any detail ever. Like even even Maria was like the the interviewer was like, tell me about this and this and she's like listen this is like 50 years ago like yeah i'll tell you what i remember and i so get that even the most traumatic most crazy incidences in my life i'm like i'll tell you what i remember but 50 years ago jesus yeah uh, yeah no one's asked me about this ever what I mean is that there, there are people who go along with these perfectly normal lives and they'll have like one encounter, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll report back on that and then there'll be no other encounters. And then there's other people who will continue on being contacted or checked in on or I've got a buddy who actually started off as a he was going to be in the National Park mm-hmm. Service. And yeah. he was on, when you first sign up to be a ranger, you have to, at least back in the day, you had to do fire watch or like fire walking where you would just walk portions and just kind of observe anything unusual happening, like looking obviously for fires or things that were going to be detrimental to the park. Sure. And it would that would be just your thing. And he ended up having a UFO encounter on one of these things. First time it ever happened to it, never happened again. And he can describe it in very vivid detail. He wasn't wow. invited on the ship, though. He just kind of observed the actual Oh, yeah. Ship. We were going to talk about invitations. Well, That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that anyone in Pascagoula was invited. I think no. they were pretty much forced. So... <laughs> that mm, it's fine yeah well along with any of the you know a lot of the cryptid sightings like there's so many commonalities behind reports and and it spans over time periods and decades i mean with any experience in life there's going to be different factions to it not Mm -hmm. every experience is going to be identical so i'm not going to discount an abduction experience because it was different from a different abduction experience No, but there's so many similarities exactly there are a ton of similarities. there's there's enough similarities to be like yeah that sounds that sounds right that sounds like what i've heard listen i went to aldi and they had groceries there and someone gave me their cart and I didn't have to put a quarter into the cart. Mm-hmm. Now, this other guy, he had to put a quarter in the cart. So I don't believe that he actually went to Aldi. So that's all I'm saying. But you guys both ended up with a with a cart and you both knew Did about we, the though? quarters. And you Did both we? knew about the quarter scenario. So I'm saying, Did you we? know, I'm trying to support. and i am right and you you are arguing with me about it in a comical way jenny (laughs) it's for the lulls listen i think we can all agree that aldi is a great store (laughs) yes yes we can quarters notwithstanding Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's a good thing for the quarters maybe it's not i don't know it's apparently a big thing yeah because they don't have to worry about errant carts running away (laughs) Exactly. Or hire anyone to corral them. Correct. So, Jenny, what a crazy night of missing people. and (laughs) Including Jarrett, who went missing several times from this show. Including right now. I really should check on him. 
You really kept on theme with this one. <laughs> That's what we like to do here. Keep on theme. That's right. <laughs> Everybody, thank you for joining us this week. Hopefully we'll see you next week when we'll be back with more crazy, weird, fun stuff. Jenny, you have anything to say? <laughs> That's better than what I just did? I don't. I know there is more. I do have more to say. You're welcome. Thank you for participating in the show, listening and commenting and all of the things. And we will see you next week. Thank you. Goodbye.